Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 228. And lately, uh, through my website, I've been getting uh, an unusually high amount of questions and inquiries. And usually they're very personal. I don't think very many people send stuff to me so that I'll broadcast it all over the planet. Um, but I've gotten several that I would I would like to put out an answer here. One, so I can get enough. It'd be hard to type this much. And the other is because I know that this has happened with a lot of people uh, or some version of this. And it's it would be a real interesting one to get out. So my first one was an inquiry I got. Hi, Julie. I've been listening to your podcast for the past year, and it's given me a lot of insight. Thank you very much. But I need help getting my dog to hunt. Um, he's purchased from a hunting line and was sent to a trainer when he was seven months old. Generally, that's a good age. After eight months of training, he is gun-shy and will not fetch the bumper all the time. <laughs> is That's not funny. Is there any hope for the dog, or should I just keep him as a family pet and get another uh, hunting dog? Do you think you could help? Uh, so this has happened in, in my time of dog training. It's probably a couple dozen times I have gotten this exact question about this, um, <laughs> where this has happened. And I know, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do training a dog, if you just train every dog the same way, that can, can bring this about. So let's talk about, before I can possibly answer that, we have to talk about what was done prior to going to the trainers so that that's what we're going to operate off of is what what is the, the what was the fundamental nature of your dog so when you when your dog was eight weeks old and 10 and 12 and 14 and all that what was the desire to retrieve now i'm hoping that things weren't thrown 20 times for the dog which i know a lot of people do very easy to, to get into that situation. You know, I hope it was two or three or four, because as you probably have heard, if you've been listening to these, as a puppy, what we want to do is increase the passion for the retrieving, because it's the passion for doing that that allows us to eventually at the right time bring in distance, difficulty, loud noises, etc. But before any of that can happen, we really do want to have a passion. And more does not bring about passion. Uh, doing so many, and depending on the dog, two, three, or four. And I'm going to say really not more than that. And yes, even with the fire-breathing dragons. And so that when you put everything away, the next time you bring it out tomorrow, oh, now they're just like, oh my gosh, it's there. Oh, we're going to do it. And you build this passion. That's going to be a powerful tool in all the rest of your training and some of the more demanding things you're going to do the obedience the force fetch the more advanced stuff is all because they love to retrieve so much this is going to enter into my second question that that kind of thing but you had, so what was that hopefully it, it didn't get it's kind of squished if you had a high desire to retrieve one recovering from this might be a little bit easier than you think there might be a recoverable situation. If the interest was moderate, then it's much easier in training stuff to, to lower that moderate to a low interest in retrieving 
Because if they just are passionate, right, and just love it, then they don't even care. I, whatever, just let me go. And when they're going, well, sure, I guess I will. And you do things that make it unpleasant or that they do not understand, then the, it even, well, I don't even want to do this. Why bother? It doesn't mean that much to me. I don't really, I was doing it for you, but now I don't really don't want to. So that's a very important factor in this. What was that puppy like at two months and three months and four months and five months? Because that's going to basically tell you how recoverable the situation is going to be, probably. So what a lot of trainers do, um, particularly if you told them you wanted upland, I'm not sure, but you know they're like, well, let's let's shoot some birds over this dog, or let's, you know, they they really want the whole uh, hunting scenario to come into play, and I completely disagree with that. I am to my no I have never to my knowledge created a gun shy dog, and one I'm not in a hurry to get to the guns, not at, I really am not because because it's easy not to create gun shy dogs, because step number one, right, and this is like where you are now. The step number one is we got to really like going and getting stuff. Now, you, I would hope you could find out from your trainer if you guys are still speaking. Did what did he use? He, she, whatever. What did they use in training? Did they use primarily bumpers? Did they use uh, birds? Did they do retrieves with dead birds? Did they shoot a lot of birds? Did they shoot any birds? Did, <laughs> kind of what was done in terms of the retrieving stuff? Was it mostly bumpers? Um, which once you get the force fetch, you don't really want hunting dogs trained a lot with bumpers, except for maybe blind retrieves, which I don't. Since your dog isn't hardly retrieving, then but I don't know that that's happening. But um, so you want to. It would really help if you knew what the dog's uh, exposures had been. You know, if you can just find it, just tell me, you know, I'm kind of working with him. I just want to know how often you, he had birds or bumpers or whatever. But the desire to retrieve uh, is important. And the reason I ask about the birds is because if, if he had a lot of birds and then you're home throwing bumpers, then again, that's like going out on dates with girls and then you come home and there's a mannequin there for you to have dinner with. Not the same, you know, bumpers are kind of mannequins when you've had the real thing. So I don't know if that could be a part of it, why your dog will only retrieve, will not always retrieve bumpers. Um, and you, of course you should make it exciting. So it's hard to, it would be nice if you could get some information, you know, on, on what happened, but obviously to somehow that dog did not associate the gun with tons of fun, which is normally when you train dogs, getting them at seven months and training them, the first thing you do is if, if they have a high level of passion for the retrieving, you find out, make sure it's there get it established and then begin to slowly bring in things like then you start the force fetch then I'm going to make you sit and wait until I send you then you bring in the control things after the passion is established if a dog does not have a high level of, of passion and you start putting control things again we've taken that moderate interest and made it unpleasant so now it's even less you can't do that so if the trainer just said, well, this is what I do with all dogs here and just and just crunch the dog through the program, then then that dog, <laughs> a gun was just like, oh, God, now what? Or probably had no concept at all. 
how you how just for people listening first you develop the high passion for retrieving then then they love it right they love it and then you introduce a thrower somebody out there that's tossing the bumper um for the dog hopefully a puppy but tossing it out there and all you it's just all you can do to hold them on hold them there then that person out there has like a 22 uh, you know a starter pistol or a little 22 pistol with with blanks and you know popper not but not even big stuff i mean like a little 22 pistol you got pop and then you then you get the dog there. if there's a ricochet to lick back at you then you do the hop up and you throw in so you create a removed association between this sound and the thing they love most of all if for any reason it unnerves them then you just throw another one you just throw another one go nah, go get it don't worry about it and you slowly but when you have a high passion and then you 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 and you don't throw and shoot and do it like a finished dog right when they you first start hup hup you know you throw one or two bumpers oh guys they're so excited and then on the third one you've moved right now you're gonna go hup up pop your blank pistol and then hop up and throw and they're pretty and you do that just a couple times a couple days and they're like oh there's that sound i'm gonna go and now and it's remote it's not right by them and it's not big and then you can slowly once they associate that sound you can make it be a bigger sound if you want you can have a little bit more power out there with what you're doing um and you don't start shooting over them closely until that's a they really get that and then when they get that again and when we start upland dogs always i'll always uh, always what you do is when they're out in the upland field and the bird comes up and you want to shoot it you make sure that the sh the shooter is not next to the dog and does not shoot right by the dog so if the bird comes up and flies some way they're out there and they can drop it it's still kind of remote and that that's way closer and it's probably you know it's probably a, a 12 a 20 gauge or a 410 or you know i guess if all you have is 12 gauge you don't want too big of a thing but then you're shooting out there and, and then this thing drops oh and that is that's again the heroin deal that's how you do that so the gun sound is always kept completely in context so somewhere in that process that did not happen so to see what recovery you can do with these dogs you have to do like it should have been done in the beginning so the first thing you want to do is have this dog really like retrieving now if all they had was birds the last six months they were there and you're throwing bumpers that could be part of why it's not that interesting i personally would still try to get them excited with bumpers if i couldn't just couldn't do that and that's with no rules I'm not going to make them sit, behave, and control, and do all this stuff. I'm just like, oh, come on, buddy. I'm going to toss it. Go get it. Um, try to get that. And if I can't get it with a piece of plastic, I'm going to get some dead birds, dead pigeons. You know, ask your trainer, can I have some frozen dead birds? And see if that makes a difference. And when you do it, no rules, and throw it once. And that's it i mean it's going to be a kind of a painstaking thing to see if you can get inside of their head and change the thinking a little bit and you got to kind of look at the dog and see what they're saying is there any interest or do they see you out there with the bird and go oh no not again here he goes then believe what you see but but 
Don't just give up is, is what I'm saying. You know, you could go out on, on a walk somewhere in the in a field, you know, where you guys are just having a nice time going out together and just go, hey, hey, and toss this thing out, not even far, right, 20, 30 feet, and have them go get it, praise the heck out of it, put it back in your pocket and keep going. And you can slowly, if the interest was there in the beginning when the dog was young and told you how they felt about it, you can go recover that, okay? And if you, over the weeks, and I mean weeks, if you, over the weeks it begins to happen, then you can start to be hopeful. Keep the guns out of it. You want to get to a point where this dog, the retrieving thing is like, oh yeah, I love this. And then you've got to be consistent. You have got to get gain the trust of this dog back. Obviously the dog is very distrustful of the situation and what's going to happen. And if, and if they're not even going and getting bumpers for you, then there's no trust or effort. The, the, it's just been broken, If assuming it was there. If it was never there, then maybe it's not in that dog. But the trainer should have told you that. But in any case, see if you can build out. If it takes, you know, hunting season's about over this year. So, so take the year to very slowly get this dog. Now, another thing. And this causes so many, if you're trying to build a passion in a dog for anything, work, you know, work related, and, and if they're designed, if they're, you know, bred to do this, if you're going to do that, you need to make that also be the most fun part of their day. And here's where I always lose everybody. Because like, no, because we go to the dog park and we go over to Aunt Sally's and she has four dogs and I let them run. And if, if the beer party at the beer garden is going to be the most fun thing they're doing, then their classwork uh, is going to not be so good. So you need to, you know, the dog can be in the house and can go on walks with you guys, do whatever. But if they have a lot more fun going to Aunt Sally's and playing with four dogs for an hour than they do going out and retrieving something for you, then the party's going to grow and the retrieving interest is going to wane. So that would be another change that you would have to make and see. And as the weeks go by, you can see, is this making any difference in this dog? Because I have seen it. I've done that with dogs. I have recovered their interest by making, when we go out together and do this rule, no rule retrieving, then suddenly they're going, and that's the highlight of their day, then it becomes a highlight of their day. And I can get them back where they like that stuff. Then, and only then, remotely with a, a cap gun, a starter pistol, do you then, and again, let me make sure that everybody understands how you do this. You don't just go out and start shooting birds or shooting and throwing birds. You want to do it on retrieving first, not in upland. I'm telling you, don't do it there. Do it on retrieving and do very few retrieves ever, but do one without. So they're like, oh, giddy, yay. I would have, somebody needs to be throwing for you. Member of the family, somebody, friend. Um, one without, and then have that pop gun go off. Poof, and then wait, because you got to see what is the dog going to go. Oh no, there's that sound. Well then have them hop up and throw if that doesn't work hop up and throw again so they're gonna learn see you heard that sound it's way out there it's 50 yards out but we still retrieve and they don't feel any of the closeness if you're doing shooting birds over them and stuff so you've got to take your time on that you've got to be patient 
and just every day see, have we made a little bit of progress or not? And so that's how you do it. If you're in a hurry, then don't even bother because the dog has lost all confidence and all trust in this stuff. And you have got to earn eight months of being away from you back. Again, assuming the dog had the interest in the beginning. It's really that simple, but you've got to put it in a context that is meaningful to the dog. Not that it's your program and I'm going to crunch you through this Acme dog, trained dog uh, manufacturing. You've got to do it in a way that the dog is always <clears throat> understanding exactly, you know, what's going on. Okay, the next one is, and there was a thing that one of my golden retriever friends put on Facebook recently. And then I get a, uh, somebody messaged me or something, however, can't remember, and said, have you seen that? Did you see the thing that so-and-so posted what it was and it was a pro who had posted something written an article about thanking your dog and the person that sent this you know sent this to me was kind of like hey do you believe this stuff so i was reading the article and it was it was written by someone who's been successful uh competing with dogs and they had said have you ever thanked your dog you know, they're doing all this for you and they don't really have any choice in it. <laughs> and so instead of always, you know, correcting them and getting after them and all that stuff, maybe you should appreciate the fact that they're out there doing this for you and nobody asked them <laughs> if they really wanted to. And that's not entirely true because if they just don't want to do it, then they're not doing it. But appreciating your dog. And, and I thought, you know, that for one, that's a, that's a pretty good thought. But I don't know, and you know, I, I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. It was a great thing. And people, but th that gives people this little license to um, look at their dogs more like little slaves. You know, we should be nicer to them because who knows, this isn't really the life they want. And I, and I always look at it, I'm not saying he's wrong, I, but there's more to it than just that. So I've trained dogs all of my life, right, and have always always had dogs and I've I I don't know that I've ever said well thank you well I do and they do like really cool things and all that I do but I I look at it it's like a two-way street it really is and so in training a dog you need to have and I've emphasized this a gazillion times one that wants to be doing this with you not only one that wants to be doing it with you but one that actually derives meaning in its value in life from working with you on this stuff, right? So I would never take a dog. Ian, I sent dogs home in training. If they did not want to be doing this, if they said, you know, uh, you can make me do it and I'll do it, but I hate this. I wasn't going to waste my time or force a dog into something. The kind of dogs I would always train were the ones that were like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'd have them come out of my trailer. I didn't even get the trailer door open. They'd hit the door trying to get in. That's what I want. Because what we were doing, and sometimes very demanding and very hard, mentally, physically, whatever, what we were doing may, gave them a sense of mastery and gave them a sense of, of purpose and value. They were a part of something greater than themselves and they loved doing it so much so that they were very willing, you know, to play by the rules and be steady and stay in gun range and 
get into the water and they're very willing to do this because not because they absolutely have to and have no choice but because that they're willing to do that to go play these games so yes i think we should be very appreciative of our partners in our what we're doing for giving us a lot of effort if they're giving us a lot of effort and if it has a lot of meaning to them if it doesn't, then I suggest you, you know, get one that does. But I, I wish people would look a little bit more as it, not only, yes, be appreciative, thank your dog. But how about instead of that, I've always looked at it a little more like a gift to them. It's like instead of being one of these dogs that I now see every day all the time, it's kind of heartbreaking to tell you the truth, that it, this their purpose in life is to get through the day and entertain themselves and wait for dinner. And they don't are not a part of something greater than themselves. And they have to find meaning in being the dog that gets out at certain times and in and walks through the park and, and plays with other dogs when given the opportunity versus a dog that goes, I have a real purpose. You know, I feed the family. A lot of you that are, are hunters listening to me. You know, in a, in a world prior to today, they would have been helping feed the family. I mean, that's why they were developed to begin with. That's a big deal. And they're a part of that. And then, of course, we create these games because they're so good and because the training is getting so much better and the dogs are getting so much better. So we, we play these games with them, these hunt tests and field trials and stuff running guns that we've got we play those games but it's all stemming from all of those dogs a hundred years ago that were belonged to everybody because they would go out and shoot pheasant or they would go out and shoot whatever you had in your area and that would be food for the family you know the all the ducks duck dogs in the chesapeake bay and all that stuff i mean those were business dogs they were helping businesses they were feeding people. And ultimately, that's where all of our guys came from. No matter how cute and fluffy they are, that's where they came from. And so I view it more as a gift to them to allow them to, to one, go do what they were originally intended to do. And, and here's, here's the really important part to me. We got smart, intelligent, motivated animals. And we don't use that. Now, those of us that train and compete and, and, you know, train for hunting and all that, we do use that, especially if you do it right. We, we do tap into a, a big intelligence. We do tap into a big motivation to do this stuff. We tap into that. I, that's the greatest gift in a world you can give a dog, in my opinion. That's bigger than the fancy dog food you feed <clears throat> or, you know, how many times you take him for a walk or how many times you go to the dog park. Gosh, I don't, oof. That, that's not, you give them the most when they get to go be so true to what they were meant to be. And also at the same time with the smart ones, right? You make them think, gosh, it's a waste of a real super intelligent human being that never has to do anything. They don't even know what, what they can do because they never have even tried or been encouraged. So we have dogs that can be immensely talented and, and you know, if you just take them for a walk around the park and put them back in the house and go to work, I don't know. What's that like for them? 
You know, it'd be just like you and I, just really not doing much. <laughs> it would be horrific. So, yes, I think we should appreciate and thank our animals for what they do and all this stuff. And my way of doing that is to make sure that I dig down and find out what they have and give them every opportunity to, to live well, to experience what they are and what they can be. So I, I would have taken a little different approach on that. I do think people, I know a lot of people, you know, dog's just another commodity. It's a widget. You send it off to the trainer, they get titles, you get it back, you take it hunting, it's supposed to do all this stuff. You know, that's not really the crowd to which I cater or who wants to listen to me. But when these dogs are part of your life and part of what you're doing and, and it gives you a great, great deal of meaning, you know, I know everyone listening to this that does that has a dog that does the same thing. They don't care if you're going to go out front where the foofy dogs are. Not if you got your boots on and you got that gun case. It's like, nope, with you. I go with you. I don't care what else is happening. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a mutual thing. And you have given them, uh, <clears throat> you've given them a lot. So I think that to answer that, that, that question on what do I think about, we should thank our dogs and appreciate them because they didn't ask to do this. They didn't ask because they didn't know about it, but but we do. And so that's why, you know, it's a real gift when we give them opportunities and are, of course, talking about f fair and appropriate training, then those are the happiest dogs in the world. And they have a real reason to get up every day and a real sense of mastery. And I'm just beating a dead horse with this one, but all the dogs, I see these real like well-bred dogs and all these breeds of huge dogs there's some apartments near me and there's two great pyrenees i've had those dogs living in those and i just like that's got to be something they just sit down all day long till they get to go out on a leash oh what a life those are also very purpose-driven dogs too i don't know what they do i don't know and i just see so much of that and these dogs just exist every day and it's like how many of them would love to go do whatever they're bred to do? Everybody on earth has a border collie or Australian Shepherd. Good Lord, you talk about a dog with a motivation. Um, that is it. So for me, find the motivation your dog has to exist and give it every opportunity to exercise that. And you can thank them all you want, but you are giving them the most that anybody can give. So that was my opinion on that one. So that's this week's uh, podcast. Um, I hope I hope the gun shy thing, you know, gun shy just doesn't have to happen. But the dog does have to have a high desire to retrieve so that a big sound or a big thing uh, is not scary. It's just that simple. And can they be recovered if their desire is high enough? And if you are patient and develop a trust that has been obviously uh, never established or broken. So anyway, that's this week's very cold. Come on, springtime. I think we're all ready. And uh, I hope that's helpful to some of you. And I will be back. I'm, so I'm going to get a G report here pretty soon so I could share that with everybody. Because she's still training away in Kansas right now. Um, and I will uh, be back next week. And everybody stay safe and healthy.